0: Well, I am super excited today because we're going to continue and actually wrap up a series that we began a few weeks ago uh, entitled, Bittersweet. And if you're joining us online today, we want to welcome you, uh, our online family, into what God is doing here. And I hope you've been a part of this journey. And if you haven't, I want to encourage you to kind of go back and kind of recapture some of these messages because I believe uh, that uh, by the the power and uh, voice of the Holy Spirit that God has been speaking something significant into our lives and so we've been talking about how do we turn the trials of life into trophies of grace and kind of more specifically we've been kind of asking the question how do I get better uh, and not bitter right how do I get better and not bitter through the trials and tribulations of life and how do I continue to grow in the things that God has called me to so Exodus chapter one the Bible says this so the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves they appointed brutal slave drivers over them hoping to wear them down With crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Python and Ramses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields, and they were ruthless. In their demands. If you look at that first point, here's that question, right? How do we do it, right? How do we get better and not bitter through the trials of life? And we recognize that Satan's strategy and scheme is really simple. Number one, he wants to keep you from knowing Jesus Christ. If he can keep you from coming to a place of faith in Jesus Christ where you get saved, set free, and made whole, then he's won the day, amen? But if he can't keep you from doing that, if you, came to, if you come to a place of faith in Jesus, then his next goal is to cause you to be bitter and barren, right? He wants to keep you from producing fruit. He doesn't want you to reproduce. He doesn't want you to multiply. He doesn't want you to advance the kingdom of God. He wants to do everything he can do to keep you in a place where you are barren and unfruitful. And we recognize through this scripture in Exodus that one of the greatest schemes of the enemy is that he uses, he uses bitterness... To cause us to be barren in our souls, right? If we get embittered toward God, if we get embittered toward people, all of a sudden we are no longer effective in doing what God has called us to do. As a matter of fact, we boldly declared, you can't get bitter and you can't get better at the same time, right? I've got to make a decision. Am I going to get bitter? Or am I going to get better as I walk through the trials and the tribulations of life? And so we said there are a couple things that we can do. The first thing we identified a few weeks ago is we said, number one, we have to stop blaming God, right? The first thing that has to happen in your life and in my life, if I'm going to get better and not bitter through the trials of life, is I've got to stop blaming God. God, right? I've got to stop blaming God for the trials and tribulations and understand God wants to save me and not destroy me, right? God's not against me, God is for me. Jesus didn't come to condemn me, he came to save me and redeem me and rescue me and deliver me and God didn't put everything on his son Jesus on the cross uh, because God is against us. God put our sin and our shame on Jesus on the cross because God is for us, right? He wants to rescue us, heal us, deliver us and redeem us uh, from this world And this world's system. So, number one, we said we've got to stop blaming God. We've got to recognize that the source of our pain, our problems, and our trial is the world, the flesh, and the devil, but it's definitely not God. God's good. Amen? And so it starts with that. The second thing we looked at last week is once we stop blaming God, We've got to kind of swing the pendulum the other direction, and now we've got to start blessing God, right? David said, Psalms 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name, right? So I've got to start blessing God, and we said to bless God simply means this. It means to begin to exalt and honor God with our thoughts, our words, and our actions, If I begin to honor God and exalt God in my thoughts, my words, and my actions, I'm blessing the Lord. I'm blessing the Lord. I'm blessing the Lord. Blessing the Lord is more than a word I say. Blessing the Lord is thoughts that I think, words that I speak, and a life that I live, right? So when I exalt and honor God with my thoughts, my words, and my actions, I bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, and all that is within me, I bless him. And we said that when we begin to bless God, amazing things begin to happen, right? We remember who he is. We remember what he's done, and it releases faith for what he's going to do, right? We said when we bless the Lord, that when we begin to honor God and exalt God in our thoughts, our words, and our actions, that that when we bless God, it invokes the kingdom of God, right? And we said the kingdom of God rules and reigns over the kingdoms of this earth, right? We don't have to live like the world. We don't have to act like the world. We don't have to look like the world, right? We said we don't have to do business like the world. We don't have to do relationships like the world. We don't have to raise our families like the world. We can operate in a heavenly kingdom, right? Because the kingdom of God rules and reigns over the kingdoms of of this world so we stop blaming God we start blessing God and today where we kind of want to dig down into is just a final thought here along this idea how do we get better and not bitter number three we have to stay in faith we have to stay in faith so I've got to stop blaming God I got to start blessing God and then I've got to stay in faith let me give you a good Alabama Arab southern word we got to hunker down right we got to hunker down into a place of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because faith, the Bible says, is the victory that overcomes the world. How are we going to overcome the world? How are we going to overcome even our own flesh? And how are we going to overcome the devil? We're going to stay in a place of faith because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Look with me in 1 John chapter 5. The Bible says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? That almost sounds a little bit too simple, right? How do I get victory over the world? How do I get victory over my own flesh? How do I get victory over the devil? It's really simple. I've got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Because whoever believes that Jesus is the Son of God has victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Let me break it down this way. Let me, what does it mean to believe that Jesus is the Son of God? It simply means this. It simply means that we believe that he is who he says he is. I mean, the religious world, when Jesus was walking around on planet Earth, the religious world called Jesus the devil. Do y'all remember that? They actually called him Beelzebub. They said, you're the devil and you're the son of the devil, right? The people that were healed and delivered by Jesus, you know what they called him? They called him a prophet. They said, man, this is a prophet. This is a mighty man from God. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, I'm not the devil. I'm more than a prophet. I am the son of God. That's what Jesus said. I am God the Son of God. I'm the Son of Man, but I'm the Son of God. I am who I say I am. And faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So how do I get victory over this world system, right? Because we said that this world system is at war with the kingdom of God and the children of God. And this world system that we live in, the Bible says, which is under the sway of the evil one, is, counter, is, is counterproductive to everything that God wants to do in our world, right? If you just look at the world we live in, the world is anti-family, anti-marriage, anti-living debt-free, right? Anti-health, anti-wealth. Right, Everything in this world is driving people to a place of sickness and disease, driving people to a place of chaos and confusion. We celebrate, we celebrate sexual immorality. We celebrate sexual perversion. We celebrate moral corruption. We celebrate all these things that are contradictory to the ways and the will and the word and the plan of God. So we have to make a decision. Am I going to be conformed? This world, am I going to be transformed by God? Faith is the victory that helps me overcome the world. Faith is the victory that helps me look at the world. And we live in a world now where, because of social media, we are constantly being bombarded by the images and the ideas and the standards of the world. Right? The world tells you this is what you ought to look like. This is this is what you ought to drive. This is what your family should look like. This is what a blended family looks like. This is what a new family looks like, right? This is, this is what love is. This is what right is. This is what intolerance is. You know what intolerance is according to the world system? Intolerance is Christianity. You can define intolerance by the world system with one word, Christianity. Christianity. Anything that Christ or the church stands for, the world says is intolerant. But yet the world stands against everything we stand for, but somehow they're inclusive. How can they be inclusive when they isolate and stand against us, and when we stand against them, we're intolerant? It seems like if we're intolerant, then they ought to be intolerant too. Because they're in just as much opposition to the way we're living as we're in opposition to the way they're living, but yet we're intolerant, but they're inclusive. How many know that's a lie? But we're constantly being bombarded. So how do I overcome the world? I have to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I have to believe he is the son of God, that he reigns and rules over the kingdoms of this world. Right? If I begin to believe that the kingdom of God will trump the kingdom of this world, then I can overcome this world system. We talked about Chick-fil-A last week, right? Chick-fil-A, who does business exactly the opposite of the way the world says you ought to do business, right? They close on Sunday, they honor God, they stand for Christian and moral values, and the world says you can't do those things and prosper, but yet the average Chick-fil-A makes $2 million a year more than any other fast food restaurant on the planet. Why? Because... Because the kingdom of God trumps and rules over the kingdoms of this world. And if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that He is the King of kings and He is the Lord of lords, then instead of conforming to this world and doing business like the world, dating like the world, talking like the world, dressing like the world, cussing like the world cursing like the world, defiling yourself like the world, you can actually overcome this world system. You can be modest. You can be pure. You can be holy. You can be godly. You can be kind. You can be caring. You can be compassionate. You can be loving. You can be forgiving. You can be all those things. Why? Because Jesus is who he says he is. He is the son of God. And his kingdom rules and reigns over this world. How do we overcome our flesh? And if you don't believe your flesh is your enemy, how many of you know that inside of every Christian, if you're here today and you're a Christian, inside of every Christian, there is still a carnal nature that wants to rise up. The Apostle Paul said, I die daily. He said, I die daily. Why? Because there's this little carnal nature within each and every one of us that wants to rise up against the things of God. And if you don't believe me, it's there. Then set your clock 30 minutes early tomorrow morning and get up to have 30 minutes extra time with God in the Bible. And you know what will happen? You'll wake up, that alarm clock will go off and you'll be like, your body will crave another 30 minutes of sleep like never before. Right? Just set your clock 30 minutes early tomorrow morning and say, I'm going to get up 30 minutes early before I go to work and I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek the face of God and you know what will happen? That clock will go off and you'll be like, oh my God, I didn't sleep a wink last night. I am so tired. I just 30 more, if I just had 30 more minutes, I would be okay. And if you do get up, The kids will start crying at 5 o'clock in the morning. They're always asleep, they'll start crying. The baby will cry, the phone will ring, somebody will text you around on the other side of the world. And all these distractions, your flesh fights the will of God and the plan of God and the purpose of God. So how do you overcome it? You've got to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. He's a king of kings, he's a lord of lords. He's your strength, he's your shield, he's your hope, he's your favor, he's your grace, he's everything you need. How many of you understand, you don't function off sleep, you function off God. I'm not saying you shouldn't sleep, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do everything you can to sleep, but at the end of the day, it is the Lord your God who gives you strength. And what's crazy, right, you set your clock 30 minutes early to get up and read the Bible, and you can't get out of bed 30 minutes early, but guys, all you guys listen to me right now, right, you're going to get up three hours early to go hunting and fishing, and you jump out of bed, wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, can't wait till your feet to hit the floor, Can't get out of bed 30 minutes early do your quiet time, but you'll get out of bed three hours early to go fishing or hunting, and you can't even sleep. You're like a kid on Christmas morning. Boy, well, I never thought that clock was going to go off at 2 a.m. I couldn't wait to get up. Ladies, y'all aren't much better. Come on. Black Friday rolls around, and you don't even need sleep anymore, right? I'm just going to shop all night. Why? Because your flesh, your flesh wars against the things of the Spirit of God. So how do you get victory over your flesh? you got to believe that Jesus is your strength. He is your shield. He is your hope. He is your power. He is your grace for the day. He is everything that you need in every moment of every breath that you breathe. He is all that He says He is. He is the great I Am and He is for you and not against you. And when you believe that and the world comes against you, you can roll out of bed because the Lord my God is my strength. You can open your mouth as Andrew shared and you can step out beyond yourself when you start to sink and God will hold you up. Why? Because he's the God that walks on water and if I'm walking with him, I cannot sink. But you got to believe that he is who he says he is. What about the devil, right? How does the devil come against us? Think about this. Satan is a deceiver. He's the father of lies. He uses lies and deceptions and accusations and condemnation to come against your life. How are you going to gain victory over that? The only way you're going to gain victory over the lies and accusations and condemnation of the enemy is that you're going to have to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Who is he? He is the way, the truth, and the life. Isn't it amazing how quickly we will leave the lies of the devil? You're not good enough. You're never going to make it. It don't matter how hard you try. You're never going to get out of debt. Isn't it amazing how quickly we grab hold of those lies? You can't do that. You've never done that before. You're not educated enough. You're not smart enough. You've not been saved long enough. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. And isn't it amazing how we grab hold of those lies of deception? But if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, he is the way, the truth, and the life, then what God says about you is true. You are who God says you are, not who the devil says you are, not who your family says you are, not who the world says you are. You are who God says you are. And if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is and he is the truth, he is the way and he is the life and no man can come to the Father except through him, then everything that he says about you must be true because he is true. And his word is truth and his word is spirit and his word is life and you have what he says you have and you can do what he says you can do. Why? Because it's impossible for God to lie. But if you don't believe that, then you'll buy into the lies and accusations of the enemy and you'll allow deception to rob you of the victory, the purpose, the power, the provision that God has for your life. Why? Because you'll think you are who the devil says you are, who your family says you are, who your enemies say you are. It's amazing how much stock we put into the words of our enemies. I counsel people all the time. Somebody they don't even like said something negative about them and they can't get over it. Why in the world would you believe somebody you don't even like? They're immoral, they're ungodly, right? They're hateful, they're cruel, they're mean. Why in the world would you think their word has value and validity over your life? Why would you believe the accusations and condemnations they make against you? Why wouldn't you believe the God of hope who loves you, died for you, rescued you, redeemed you, created you in his own image and his own likeness so he could set you up as his son and his daughter and establish his kingdom through your life? How do we overcome? How do we get victory over the world? The flesh, the devil. We have to stay in faith. Now look at this next point. I want you to see this. Because God gave me a revelation this week of faith that I've never seen before. We have to stay in faith. Faith empowers us to get better and not bitter. Because it keeps us pressing in and pursuing God. So I asked the Lord this question. I said, God, how do I know when I'm in faith? If faith is a victory that overcomes the world, the flesh, and the devil, then how do I know when I'm in faith? And the Lord said, Hebrews 11:6. 6, right? Many of you know this verse, very familiar scripture. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So without faith, I can't please God. Why? If we just read that that scripture in context, without faith, I can't please God. Because what does faith do? Faith causes me to come to God and diligently seek Him because He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Without faith, I won't come to God. Without faith, I won't seek God. And without faith, I won't be diligent in pursuing God. So how do I know if I have faith? I know I have faith because I am pressing in and I am pursuing God. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Now here's the problem. Here's the snare. I want you to see this. What happens sometimes to us as Christians, what happens to us as Christians is that we... Start believing God for things. We're believing God for our healing. We're believing God for our breakthrough. We're believing God for our family. We're believing God for provision. We're believing God for promotion. We're believing God for grace to get through another day. We're believing God for, right? We're believing God for all those things. The Lord said this to me. He said, Keith, He said, most Christians are in a place of want. They're not in a place of faith. We want to be healed, we want to be delivered, we want to be blessed, we want to be prosperous, we want to be promoted, we want to have a happy marriage, we want this, we want that, we want this, and we want that, but we're not in faith. Why? Because faith presses in and pursues God. Is it possible, let me just ask you a question, is it possible for you to be pressing in and pursuing the promise of God without actually pressing in and pursuing the God of the promise? See, what I found out in my own life, I'm guilty right here. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. There have been times in my life where I was pursuing the promise of God instead of pursuing God. I was believing for something, but I wasn't pursuing the one who made the promise that he would do it in my life. Now, the book of Ephesians says that God has given to every man a measure of faith. Let me ask you a very simple question. Did God give every man a measure of faith so we could receive things from God or so that we would press in to know God? God gave you a measure of faith, not so you could get things from him. He gave you a measure of thanks so that you would pursue to come after him. Faith causes you to come to God. Faith causes you to diligently seek the Lord because here's the good news, right? If you find the healer, you get healed. If you find the deliverer, you get delivered. If you find the provider, you get provision. If you find the king, you get the kingdom. But what happens many times in our lives is we move out of a place of faith. We're still believing God, but we're not in faith for God because we're pursuing his promise over the promiser. Now, we've all had friends and family. And you probably got some right now. we got those people. you got people in your life that the only time you hear from us is when they want something, right? They ain't called you in three months, and all of a sudden they send you a text message. You're like, oh, my gosh, what do they want? Right? We all know it's true. We all got people like that in our lives, right? And guess what? When you see their name pop up on your cell phone, you don't get excited. You don't say, Woohoo! Praise God, they want to spend some time with me. No? Nope. <laughs> he show you why. Here they are again. Wonder what they want this time. Last time it was electric bill. This time it's probably the water bill. They need gas money. Wonder what they need. If all you do is exercise faith to get things from God, instead of using real faith, which is to get you to God, then you're no different to God than your friends. How do I know I'm in faith? I know I'm in faith not because I'm pursuing healing. I know I'm in faith because I'm pursuing the healer. How do I know I'm in faith? I know I'm in faith not because I'm pursuing salvation for my family. I know I'm in faith because I'm pursuing the savior who saves my family. I'm pursuing the provider who provides for my family. I'm pursuing the redeemer who redeems my family. I'm pursuing the king who has a kingdom and power and authority. I want you to look at this next point on your outline. I want you to see this. Stephen, you're doing good helping me, brother. Thank you. One of the greatest enemies of our faith, guys, is time. Time. One of the greatest enemies of our faith is time. Believing God's not hard, at least not for the first day. But continuing to believe, that's really where the battle lies, right? Right? Right. The first day you need a miracle, the first day you need a breakthrough, the first day you need provision, the third, first day you need God to show up. We're full of faith, we're pursuing God, we're believing God, we're confessing the Word of God, and then a day turns into a week, and a week turns into a month, and a month turns into a year, and a year turns into three years. And if you and I are not careful, if we are not cautious, if we are not hunkering down in a place of faith, then you know what will happen? We'll start to draw away from God let me give you a scripture Hebrews 10 verse 23 and then Hebrews 10 35 through 39 says this let us hold fast the confession of our hope hope is an expectation for good without wavering look at that next part for he who promised is faithful we have faith because he who promised is faithful how many know the power of a promise is only as good as the promise giver See, you've had people make promises to you, right? That friend, oh, I promise you, I'm gonna pay you back. You're like, I ain't gonna hold my breath. You know why? Their promise doesn't have any value because the promiser is not faithful. But the Bible says we can be unwavering in our faith because our God is faithful. The one that promised to heal us is faithful to heal us. He is a faithful God, look at verse 35 therefore do not cast away your confidence which has great reward for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God you may receive the promise for yet a little while he who is coming will come and will not tarry now the just shall live by faith but if anyone draws back my soul has no pleasure in him but we are not of those who draw back to perdition that word perdition literally means destruction or ruin but of those who believe to the saving of God the soul the word drawback means a subtle retreat let's just imagine that God's right here and you've come to God right with a need with a problem with a challenge and God is pleased that you came to him because faith comes to God faith comes to God Faith causes us to press in and pursue Him. Him. And so we start believing for our healing. And I'm just using healing. That's something we can all kind of relate with. We've all been sick or know people that have battled serious sickness and disease. So we're believing God for our healing. Could be a breakthrough. Could be a deliverance. But whatever it is. We're believing God and we're pressing in. We're believing God and we're pressing in. We're believing God and we're pressing in. And then time comes. there's a little subtle retreat now now the trick here here's, here's the trick of the enemy we're still verbally believing God but we're not pressing in to God like we used to we're still believing God but we're not really in faith anymore because we're not pursuing God See, we, there's a little subtle retreat and all of a sudden I stop pursuing God and now I start pursuing my healing. And then a month turns into a year and I'm really pursuing my healing. And a year turns into three years and God, I am desperate for my healing. God, why don't you heal me? Don't you see my faith, God? I believe that you're my healer. But every time I draw away, that's God. I draw away to my own destruction because the further I get from pursuing and pressing in to know God who is the healer, the further I get away from my healing. Now, this whole message has been how do I get better and not bitter. Think about this trap right here. What happens when you start believing God for something and a day turns into a week and a week turns into a month and a month turns into years. And again, you're still confessing that you believe for a healing. But you know in your heart you had not been pursuing God for a long time. What does the devil do? The devil comes in and begins to whisper lies if God really loves you. God really cared, if He really was a healer, if He really was a deliverer, if He really was a provider if He really was a good God then why is it taking you three years, five years ten years to get what you're trying to get? The reason is really simple. You stopped being in faith a long time ago and this is what happens to our hearts. We get bitter because we still believe right? If you were to ask a person in that situation, well do you believe God's a healer? Absolutely I believe God's a healer Now here's the most important question. Are you in faith? Well, yeah, I'm in faith. Well, let me ask you this. Are you pressing in and pursuing God? Are you pressing in and pursuing God? Are you pressing in and pursuing God? Or are you pressing in and pursuing your healing or your deliverance or your breakthrough or your relationships? What are you really pursuing, church? Most of us are pursuing the things that God does for us Instead of pursuing the one that is the source of every good and every perfect gift. So how? How do I know I'm in faith? Not just because I'm believing for. I know I'm in faith because I'm pressing in. Not for my healing. But for my God. Because I want to say it again. When you find the healer, you get healed. When you find the deliverer, you get delivered. When you find the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the kingdom come and his power is manifested. We have been deceived into thinking that because we are believing for, we are in faith. But we're not in faith unless we are pressing in and pursuing God. Now, I need to believe for my healing, but I need to pursue God. I need to believe for breakthrough, but I need to pursue God. I need to believe for my family, but I need to pursue God. There's a great scripture, and I'm going to read it to you, and we're going to close with this. You guys may have to back up and find it. 2 Chronicles chapter 16. It says, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a serious foot disease. He was a king, king of Israel. It says, yet with the severity of his disease, he did not seek the Lord's help, but turned only to his physicians. So he died in the 41st year of his reign. For For two years... He suffered with a serious disease in his body, but yet he did not seek the Lord. He sought sought physicians only. Now, Ace is a perfect example of somebody believing God for healing or believing for healing, but not seeking God. How many know you don't go to the doctor because you want to get sick? You go to the doctor because you want to get well. Why was he seeking his physicians? Because he was believing for healing, he was pursuing healing. He was pressing into healing. But guess what he wasn't pursuing and pressing into? God. Isn't that an example of our lives many times? And then we get bitter. We get bitter toward God. Because we're not getting healed, we're not getting delivered, we're not experiencing His provision, and we get bitter toward the Lord. Why? Because God, I'm believing you. Jesus said in Mark 11, you remember the story, He cursed the fig tree. The next day they came by. They said, look at the fig tree you cursed. Jesus said, yes, it's amazing. And then this is what he said. He says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Not faith in faith. Not even faith in the promise. Have faith in the God that gives the promise. The promiser. That's faith. So how do I stay in faith? I keep pressing in and pursuing God. And if I'll keep pressing in and pursuing God every day, you know what, I'll stay in faith. And if I stay in faith, you know what, I'll get victory over the world. I'll get victory over my flesh. I'll get victory over the devil. And I'll receive every good thing that God has for me. Why? Because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 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 Let's bow our heads today. I want to challenge you this morning to ask yourself just that simple, honest question. Am I really in faith? I know what I'm believing for, but am I in faith? Am I pressing in and pursuing God? Am I pressing in and pursuing Him? And today, I'll just be honest with you. The Lord showed me this this week. It wrecked my heart because I realized there have been so many times in my life I was believing for, but I wasn't in faith. I was believing for God to do things, but I wasn't in faith. And today I want to be in faith. I want to live by faith. I want to stay in faith. I want to press in every day and I want to pursue God. Not what He does for me, but who He is. Because if I find Him, I get everything. And here's the good news. God's not hiding from you. The Bible says through Jesus Christ God has created a new and a living way through the veil of His flesh that we can enter into His presence that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in time of need and today we can come to Him. So right now I just want you to come to God. I I want you to ask God if there's ask God to forgive you for being that friend. Ask God to forgive you for drawing away, for a subtle retreat. And let's just settle today. God, today I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to press in and pursue you. I'm believing for, but I'm pursuing you. I'm believing for, but I'm pursuing you. If you're here today and maybe you say, Pastor Keith, I'm not even a Christian. I've never been saved. I've never truly gave my heart and my life to Christ. But today I want to do that. Maybe I have acknowledged that I believe in God, but I realize I'm not in faith. I've never come to a place of faith in Jesus because I'm not pressing in and pursuing Him. How do you know you've come to a place of faith in Jesus Christ? You're pressing in and pursuing God. If you're not pressing in and pursuing Him, you probably have never come to a place of faith. And today, you could say, Pastor Keith, I want to do that. Well, the Bible says God's given you a measure of faith. And the purpose of that faith is to help you come to know Him. And if you come to know him, then everything he's got for you will begin to be divinely deposited into your life. So I want to ask you to do something very simple but very bold. I want to ask you if you're here today, you say, Pastor Keith, I want to put my faith in Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want you just to stand up. I want you just to stand up all over this building. Just a simple act of faith, but I want you to stand. I want to put my faith in Christ. I want to press in and pursue God today as my Lord and Savior. And I want to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins be my Lord and my Savior today you can have that Jesus died for that God sent his son for that and it's yours today it's yours today I want to just pray over everyone watching today if you're watching online I want to encourage you just cry out to God he'll hear you there's no magic prayer there's just the cry of your heart and God hears your faith this morning so Father we thank you today for the faith of your son Jesus that you have given to each and every one of us today a faith that compels us to come to you And Lord, today in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, we we press into your presence this morning. Lord, we want to know you. Paul said it, I want to know you. Lord, you said this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So Lord, today our heart's desire is God, we simply want to know you. We want to press in and know you, our healer, our deliverer, our redeemer. And I thank you today that when we encounter your presence, Lord, we find everything that we need because in your presence is the fullness of joy. And at your right hand is pleasure forevermore. So we thank you for that today, God, and we receive all that you have for us because we pursue you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Let's give the Lord praise this morning. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great day in the Lord. Amen.